What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone's having a great week. Uh, Coach Walls just uploaded to RTP Premium uh, his newest RTP install, which is switch releases, switch verticals. Uh, it's now live on RTP Premium, 45 minutes over uh, switch verticals, basically. So um, something that he's got a lot of time and money invested into, you know, money as far as uh, time he's invested on on uh, on the gridiron and, and lots of touchdowns that he's scored with it. So uh, it's been an unbelievable video. I've already watched it a couple times. Uh, it's really, really good. It's up there on RTP Premium. Again, uh, that's only $10 a month. You can get that as cheap as $10 a month. Um, and it's all the videos on RTP Premium uh, that we've ever put out. It's all available there for our RTP Premium members over at runthepower.com. Uh, we're excited about this episode, uh, just like all of our episodes. But on this one, we're going to talk about Alex Kirby's new book, Coastal Carolina 2020 Offensive Scouting Report. Uh, and, and he's given all of our listeners a great deal. You guys can go get his newest book uh, about Coastal Carolina over at throwdeeppublishing.com slash RTP. Again, that's throwdeeppublishing.com slash RTP. Uh, when you guys get his book or any of his books at, at, at checkout, if you'll put in the discount code, you'll see it over there on the right. And the discount code, if you'll put in RTP20, you'll get a discount. Again, that's all of our listeners. That's capital RTP, the number 20. Uh, and you guys will get a discount over at throwdeeppublishing.com slash RTP. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Alex Kirby. Coach Kirby is a special teams coordinator at Ben Davis High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. Listen as we talk with Coach Kirby about his new book outlining and researching the popular Coastal Carolina offense. You can pick up your copy at throwdeeppublishing.com slash RTP. You can also receive a discount using the code capital RTP20 during checkout. Uh, either of those will give you a discount off of the base price of his book. You can follow Coach Kirby on Twitter at Alex J. Kirby. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, 
Yeah. So my name is Alex Kirby. I'm the special teams coordinator uh, at Ben Davis High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, it's my alma mater. It's where I, uh, it, it's where I, you know, obviously went to went, went to high school, graduated from. Uh, the difference between me and, and probably most of all your other guests is that I had never actually played organized football. Uh, and, and the reason is <laughs> my parents held me back because they thought it was a waste of time. They were not big on after school activities. Um, but uh, and I'm not I'm not going to pretend like I would have been a superstar if I had played. But uh, I, I always, uh, I, none of my family was really ever into sports that much. And I think I've mentioned this on Twitter several times, but the, the reason, the thing that got me into football was actually the, uh, the Madden games. Uh, you know, we had one of those laying around and I didn't know really anything about football, but I, I, you know, I turned on the game. I started playing. I was like, Hey, this is, this is really cool. So I, I, I just, I pretty much fell in love instantly uh, as I started to play the game. And so obviously that led me to learn more about the actual game of football. Uh, when I got to Ben Davis High School, they actually, uh, and, and we still do, we have a student radio station that will call uh, all the games on Friday nights. And so I was like, well, if I can't be a part of the team, the, I, I kind of convinced my parents to let me get on that, uh, let me be part of the broadcast. So I turned into the color commentator uh, for my junior year. And then my senior year, I used that, uh, you know, connection there to get involved uh, as a part of the team, uh, you know, filming practice. So I, w I would actually film practice, you know, Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Thursday, depending on, you know, when they actually were filming practice. And then on Friday nights, I would still call the game. So I got to have the best of both worlds there. Uh, Tom Allen, the head coach at IU, uh, was actually our head coach back then. So I got to know him pretty well. He would do a weekly uh, coaches show with us. Uh, you know, he is exactly who he appears to be on, on television. He is a hundred percent genuine guy. And that's why you see so many guys rooting for him, but uh, he left uh, his final year was the year I graduated. So after that, I stuck around for another year. Uh, the coach then uh, who took over was, was Mike Kirshner. And Coach Kirshner let me stick around and continue to help video stuff and maybe hold some scout cards in practice. And basically, it just turned into over the next couple of years, uh, me, I, I just stuck around and they kept giving me more things to do um, and uh, just got a little bit deeper and deeper into it. And so um, from there, I was a student assistant and video coordinator at Indiana State for several years, uh, learned a lot a lot about football and, and, and just, you know, as, as you continue your journey from high school to college, obviously you, you, um, you learn more about the finer details of the game. You learn from a lot of smart guys and, uh, and I, there were a lot of smart guys that I worked with a lot of good guys as well. And, you know, it's just one more level. And, and now uh, I took a, I learned a lot. I worked really hard and uh, and now I'm I'm actually back at Ben Davis, uh, and you know what? It's 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 been awesome because the guys that I work with and and uh, are are just great people. They love football. The kids are bought in. I mean, you don't have to sell the kids on the tradition of this program. That's one of the things I like about it. Um, and I just feel really lucky to be where I am today in the position I'm at. Well, coach, and, and we reached out to you too, because uh, obviously uh, you've got this book out on, on coastal Carolina and, and, you know, that, that's an offense that I think if you're on Twitter at all, as a football coach, everybody's talking about coastal Carolina lately. I mean, um, whether it's coaches saying, you know, making fun of other coaches because they think they can do what coastal Carolina wants to do. I've seen plenty of those. And, and, you know, from, from that to the coaches that love everything that coastal Carolina is doing. And so um, you obviously came out with this book and, and so tell us a little bit about it because that's intriguing. You know, I, I think every coach that's seen what they were doing, uh, which they were on the national stage a bunch this year wants to, you know, wants to get their hands on their film. I think that's what everybody, you know, I've, I've gotten, 2000 different messages or DMS or whatever saying, Hey, do you have any uh, coastal Carolina film? You know, everyone wants to know what's going on with it. So kind of what was the reason, you know, you started writing this and, and going into to that offense. Well, I think the, the main reason is what you, what you just said. I mean, everybody has been talking about it, right? Uh, everybody on Twitter for the past couple of months has been, you know, that's been the in vogue offense for lack of a better term. Uh, so you know, for me, it was a no brainer. You know, I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to 
put something together that would be a good resource for, for people. I mean, uh, sometimes you put these things together and I've learned, uh, just because you put a lot of time into it doesn't mean that a lot of other people are interested in what, in what you did. So, sure. uh, that that's, that's, you learn those lessons, uh, with, with a little bit of difficulty, but then once you get it through your head, well, maybe I should focus on what everybody else wants to look at. And, and I was intrigued too, don't get me wrong, but that, that was probably the biggest reason why. Um, and you're right. I've had probably, you know, I don't know if I've had as many messages as you have, but I've definitely got a ton of messages about coastal Carolina film, uh, there, you know, if you look, uh, you don't have to look that hard on Twitter. You'll find it. I'll just say that I'm not going to get into you know, there's, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of legal issues, right? I mean, I'm sure you guys know. Um, but basically if you, if you look around on Twitter, you will find it that it, it's not that difficult, but I wanted to put together a resource and I wanted to approach it as if they were an opponent that I was preparing for. So I wanted to watch all the film, do all the breakdowns, put together reports, try to really get in the head of what it is they were doing. Um, and you know, that's, that's what I feel like I did as good of a job as I, as I could possibly do uh, with that. I feel really good about it. I feel like it's one of the better things that I've done uh, just because of the amount of time and depth and attention to de detail that I put into it. Uh, like I said, my, my original goal with this was to put out a scouting report. And I did a little bit of that prior to their bowl game. I, I tried to put together a very, you know, type of skeleton type scouting report uh, for people who weren't super familiar with exactly what they were going to see. Um, and that got a lot of attention. So I knew I was on the right track uh, with, with finishing the final project. So uh, I did that and uh, the response has been pretty good so far. Coach, I would imagine then, you know, putting together something like that. I mean, you're almost kind of doing it like a defensive coordinator. So I think, you know, a lot of people might get the misnomer of, man, I want to run the coastal Carolina offense, right? there should be defensive interest as well, knowing that a lot of people are going to start buying into a lot of these concepts if they haven't already. And now you're going to have to defend them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the really cool thing about what they do is, you know, it's, it's not necessarily anything new, you know, uh, it's a lot of triple midline belly. I mean, I don't know very many high school coaches in the, uh, in, in the country who, who don't see some form of that from week to week. Uh, they're doing it out of some unique formations. They're doing a few uh, different things. Uh, they got a little bit of RPO in there. They got a little bit of inside and outside zone. So, uh, yeah, these are things that most high school coaches are going to see on a regular basis, and they're just doing it out of some different formations and 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 some kind of some check with me stuff from the sideline. Uh, they got a little bit of everything in there. So it, it was that was what was really cool to for me as I went through it. I was like, well, we play a team that does that. We play a team that does that. We play a team that does that. And it got me thinking about, you know, what we see every Friday night as well. So with the, the myriad of different things that they do, what are what are one or, or a couple of things they do that you think would give you, a, you know, or give a defense the biggest fit? You know, it's interesting. I actually talked to a coach who prepared for them this year. Uh, this was after I had done most of my research. So it was interesting to me to hear what he had to say as well. Um, but the biggest thing that he said was, you know, the, the belly play and they can pull either the front side guard or the center, uh, depending on what the, what kind of look they get on defense, but the belly play, you know, you look at that and, and not a lot of those go for big yardage, right? I mean, you'll, you go two, three yards at a time, even in short yardage, uh, it never really turns out to be that explosive of a play. But what he said to me was pretty interesting. He said, he, he goes, the problem isn't stopping the belly play. The problem is stopping the belly play without opening up everything else that they, that they do. Because if you, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, yeah, cheap plug there, Alex J. Kirby. If you follow me on Twitter, you're, you, you will know that I put out that uh, coastal scouting report prior to their game against Liberty in the bowl game. And I said in there, you know, anytime they get down to a gotta have one yard situation, what are they gonna? They're gonna they're gonna run belly usually to uh, wherever the tight end number eighty seven lines up. If they got two tight ends on the field, they're gonna run it behind eighty seven. I mean, that's not a secret. If I picked up on that, a college staff with 10, 10 guys breaking down film, you better believe they picked up on that. But it doesn't matter because you 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 got to stop that without as as the one coach I was talking to without giving up everything else. So I, I would say it, it starts with that. 
Yeah, that's, well, that's something that Coach Walls has always said. You know, I think he got it from Coach Trimble, um, his kind of mentor. But, you know, you've got tendencies for a reason. You know, offenses that have tendencies uh, is, you know, everyone wants to break their tendencies. But um, sometimes you have a tendency for a reason. It's because what you're doing really works. Oh, no question. I mean, that's that I think is as good of a <laughs> I, I, let's just say this. I totally believe that, um, you know, I'm all for self-scouting and I think it's a valuable tool, but don't outthink yourself, right? Like if something works, if you're getting the ball to your best player and it's creating opportunities for stuff elsewhere, um, you know, that you don't have to put in 50 new things next week, just because you're really good at running power when the back lines up in a certain way. Okay. So what make them stop it. Right. And that's what, uh, that's what Coastal does really well. I mean, I, I guarantee you, if I sat you guys down and ran you through a few cutups, you guys could pick up on some things. But they do enough other things off of those same looks to keep you off balance. Yeah, I'd have to say, you know, some of the, the cooler things I saw, you know, and, and everyone probably kind of fell in love with them, you know, almost week one. You know, they're one of the few teams that was playing early. And then when they played Kansas, you know, again, you know, Kansas, not a powerhouse by any means, but everybody's, you know, expecting the power five to, to go in and win and they beat them again. But just the, the myriad of like, you know, kind of special play action plays and scoring plays when they kind of got down to the red zone and red zone fringe area, where there's some pretty good tendencies you saw there, were they pretty good at kind of hiding that and coming up with new wrinkles every single week? You know, they were, they were good. That was as creative as they got. I, w I don't want to say as creative that when, when it comes to being creative, they got really creative down there in the red zone. Uh, you know, they definitely have tendencies. Like we were talking about short yardage when it comes to belly, uh, they definitely want to give it uh, to, to their best players. But when you get inside that, you know, 15 to 10 yard line, once you start getting close to the goal line, we all know how difficult it is to call plays down there because you're you're in a box basically you can't you can't stretch anybody deep uh you got to play uh much more condensed and they did a really good job of getting the quarterback out on the edge uh you know whether that's an rpo whether that's a true boot whether that's some sort of option play um and also they did a really good job of creating picks rubs whatever you want to call them down low in the red zone they had a few key concepts uh, but they were able to dress them up enough different ways to where, um, you know, you really couldn't key in on one thing necessarily. I'm impressed with you with the QB. I thought he was kind of an unsung, you know, hero for, for their offense. You know, a lot of people, again, talking about the schemes they're doing up front, the smaller offensive line, the athletic guys. I didn't think, you know, I think it was McCall, I think it was his name. I didn't think he got enough, you know, maybe fanfare, especially as a, a freshman running that offense. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think um... – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he was we, it, PFF obviously does college quarterbacks as well, but I think he ended up in their top five uh, highest graded quarterbacks for the year, along with, you know, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, you know, they don't have him do a million things necessarily, but what they ask him to do, he's really good at. And besides that, besides the scheme part of it, I think you saw it in that um, in that bowl game, that kid is tough man. And, and they're going to have a really good weapon coming back for the next couple of years. He can move, he can throw. And, and just as importantly, when you're running the option, he can take a hit, get right back up and, and get back to the huddle. Uh, so I, I was really impressed. He did miss one game this year. Uh, I think, I think, it, I think it was the Appalachian state game, but uh, he really battled all year long and, and proved to his teammates and his coaches, you know, how, how tough and, and how good of a passer he was, because aside from just the toughness, the guy can the guy can really spin it. If you look at the scouting report I put together, I actually put together a hit chart game by game, each part of the field and charted all of his throws, you know, field boundary, left, right. And uh, the guy was pretty accurate all over the place. So uh, they, they have a really good quarterback for the next couple of years at, at Coastal Carolina. Yeah, so I'm curious, you know, like I said, I've seen some guys on on Twitter and, and you know, what for whatever reason say, hey, there's a lot of guys think they can do this at their high school and just because this team does it doesn't mean your team can. You know, I think you hear that with every offense. It was said with LSU. It was said this year with Alabama. You know, everyone says that. Um, do you think this is an offense that is easy to translate into a high school offense? Do you have to have special people at certain spots? Um, is it something that, you know, a high school, obviously probably not to that, not as well as they run it, but can a high school take this offense, implement it and, and turn it into their offense? 
I, I don't think there's any question. I, I wouldn't say anything is easy when you're trying to translate from college to high sure. school, but I, I definitely think it's easier than maybe some of the other schemes out there, because as we were talking about earlier, you know, it's triple, it's belly, uh, midline, RPO. I mean, all stuff that most high school guys are either running or they see other people run on a regular basis. So they're not asking their guys to do a whole lot of things that, you know, a lot of high school kids aren't doing. Now, obviously, you got to craft your scheme around what your kids do best. But I think, um, you know, I, I think if you talk to any of the coastal coaches, they would probably tell you, look, if we had, uh, you know, three or four really good receivers, we would build it more around the passing game. But this year we had a couple of really good running backs and we had a quarterback that could run. Uh, so we built it more around the option run game. I think, um, you know, I, I actually watched a clinic with their O-line coach a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, and he was talking about their counter scheme, which really they didn't run at nearly as much as they had the previous year, just because of the, the looks they got on defense and it just didn't fit their personnel as much this year. So they're not even necessarily locked into a, a solid group of plays. Um, but it, it's just more about how, how everything fits together. But, but I absolutely believe that, um, this is something that you could take, either bits and pieces of or, or take the whole basic structure and, and run it down at the high school level for sure. Okay. So I know you've talked about belly and, and I know that's kind of their play when it comes down to it, but, but you're a defensive coordinator, you're going against them. Is that the play that you go into the game saying you've got to stop or what's the, what's the couple things that you think your game, your game planning against them. You're a defensive coordinator. What are the few things that you're looking to take away, um, you know, going against those guys? Well, I think it always starts with personnel, right? Whenever you're looking at a team, you all, you always want to take away uh, not only their best plays, but there's a reason they're calling the good offenses anyway. There's a reason why they're calling those plays, right? They, they're right. not just calling plays to call plays. They want to get the ball into the hands of certain players because those guys do certain things really well. So uh, they had a they have they had a really good receiver. Usually put him to the boundary, not always, but he was usually in in either a boundary or an X alignment. Uh, he was a really, I mean, the guy is, isn't very big when you think of receivers, but he can go up and grab it in midair and, and go, go up over the top of a lot of DBs. So uh, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is number one, their running back who pretty much lines up all over the field. Um, I, I, he was, he was incredible. He was kind of their, you know, I'm trying to think of the word They're They're kind of slash guy, if you will. Uh, he, he would line up in the slot motion in the backfield uh, he'd be the pitch guy on a huge percentage of their option plays. And then the other thing, the other guy that really made them dangerous was uh, number four, the tight end. Uh, I believe his name was uh, Isaiah Likely. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, the, the thing that made the thing that he made them so dangerous for was because uh, he was able to line up not just at the traditional tight end spot, but he lined up in a lot of different places. So that really makes you work hard as a defensive coach when you're trying to scout specific personnel groups, because you don't, you, unless you stop the film and you really pay attention. And I had to go through the TV copy a lot of times as well, just to make sure that I was looking at the right thing. Um, just because that guy's lined up at backside number one, doesn't mean he's an X receiver could, could just as easily be the tight end. So uh, and I, and I've posted about this before on Twitter, you know, being able to line up multiple ways with one personnel group is just a complete pain in the, in, in the, in the rear end. Uh, I'll just say that on defense, uh, because you, you don't, you, when those collection of guys come on the field, you have no clue what you're going to see, uh, from an alignment standpoint. And if all your best players are on the field, they, you could just line up and run anything on offense. So I think that's where it starts from it, from a scheme standpoint, though, I would say other than the belly. Um, there's a lot of formational things, but I would say you've got to take away the pitch first, uh, because that's really what they're trying to do. They run a lot of option stuff. Um, but even their coaches will tell you, they're really trying to get that ball pitched out to the edge. Um, they don't, they're not a, what I would call a true option team where they're reading it hundred percent quote unquote correctly where they're always going to give it on a give read, that type of thing. They're really trying to get it out on the edge. So if you can find a way, and Liberty did a really good job of this, where they did not allow number one out on the edge to, to, to create big plays. If you can do that, it really starts to condense the field quite a bit because they struggle in pass protection. You, we, we, all, we know all about um, that, that smaller offensive line that they have, and, and they struggled at times throughout the year. 
uh, in third and long situations when they got pressure. So that that's one thing that, that I would say. Coach, I love what you say, you know, about the, the same personnel and, and, you know, obviously lining up in different formations, but I think so many people, you know, and again, maybe, you know, however you're trying to break it down, but, you know, good defensive coordinators are going to break down, you know, the same trips formation, you know, probably three times based on where, you know, the stud receivers yet number threes yet number two, are they motioning him? Are they moving him? Do they leave him in the boundary? Do they put him to the field. And I think great D coordinators understand then why are they doing that? Right. And they figure out the tendencies behind that. So I think, you know, it, it becomes such, like you said, a nightmare to have to scout and do, and it tires out that defensive staff, especially when you know that they're going to break that stuff down. Sometimes you'll just do it a couple of times as an offensive guy, just, just to kind of be a dick a little bit, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, and that's, if I could make one critique, and of course I don't see every high school football game in the country all year long, obviously, but if I had one critique to make of, of just high school coaches in general, having a, having a few organic ways within your scheme without having to create a bunch of new terminology, but just having a couple of a ways within your scheme to move your players around within the formation. I'm not talking motions. I'm talking just general alignments, flipping your receiver from side to side, uh, moving that whoever your best guy is moving him to different positions and making, making us find him. Um, man, that makes it a lot harder. Uh, and, and maybe it makes it a lot harder on the front end for offensive guys, but I'm telling you, um, if you've got, it, it only makes it even more difficult if you got multiple guys who can really burn you. But if you, if you can move your personnel around within the formation and we play one team who, uh, every year who is really good at that. And I got to tell you, it just, it just adds a whole nother layer of, of complexity and difficulty to what we have to do to try to stop them. But if you can find a way to do that. I promise you, you're going to take valuable practice and preparation time away from the defense because they got to sit there uh, and figure everything out. If you're playing a good defensive team. Now, if you're not playing a good defensive team, I guess it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> doesn't but, matter anyway. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to, if you're playing a, a coach and a, a coaching staff who, you know, prepares well and looks at everything, boy, you will just give them so many more things to think about. If you, if you start to move guys around within the formation. So you mentioned, you know, this book is you, you know, kind of breaking them down like a defensive from a defensive standpoint, like you're breaking the team down. What does that process look like to you? What how did you do those breakdowns? How do you how do you, you know, put it in the data that okay, they're tailbacks now in the slot and now they're tailbacks, you know, out at receiver or, you know, how do you go about doing that as a defensive coordinator? How did you go about doing that in this book going through all of those mini breakdowns? You know, what was your process for breaking down coastal Carolina? So a couple things, I tried to keep it as close to my standard breakdown process as possible. Now I did, uh, as you, as you do, when you go through any big project like this, you always learn a couple things just about what you do and find ways to make it more efficient. So I actually, um, kind of, I, I found out that I could clean up my own verbiage a little bit and make it a little bit more consistent as I was going through and tagging things. But basically what I did was I started off just like I would with any other opponent. Um, I, uh, I just put in all the basic information, you know, formation, play motion, all that stuff on, I, I got all the film on huddle. So I just approached it that way. So I put in all the basic information that way. Uh, and then, you know, I've talked about this other places. I, I do a lot with custom columns. So, you know, we have a backfield column, gun near gun, far pistol, you know, pistol near pistol far. I have a, I have a running back depth column as well. Um, and then I also, and, and I don't, I certainly don't do this for every opponent. In fact, most opponents just because we don't need to, but I, there is a spot in my template for breakdowns where I can tag all the skill players on the field in each formation, each play. Um, I did that. I did a lot of that. I didn't do that for every game. Uh, just because I felt like by the time I got, you know, maybe a third of the way through, I had a pretty good understanding. That is something that I'm going to clean up um, and put out a, an updated version. And by the way, everybody who has ordered it already will get that. Um, so don't, don't think that you're not going to, you're going to miss out on anything. Anybody who, anybody who's ordered that is going to get any updates that, that I put out. Um, but I'm going to go through and, and, and clean that up a little bit, but basically the way I, I break down film is I'm not going to go from A to Z from left to right in each row all the way across. 
right? Does that make sense? So I'm not going to fill in every little spot in each play right away. I'm going to fill in a few sections at a time, maybe the basic information, then come back and maybe tag all the past concepts, say, hey, and tag which who the ball carrier was and whether there was an RPO throw or whether they checked with at the line, what the cadence was. There's all these, there's all these little custom columns that you can put in. I've even, and I did not do this for the coastal breakdown, uh, but I've even gone so far as to tag the nearest defender um, when a pass was thrown or when a, uh, or maybe even the tackler on runs, because it gives you a, an insight into whether are, are they just throwing the ball all over the field or are they attacking somebody or are they just attacking a specific area of the field? Um, so that, that kind of goes through the, the first couple rounds, because my biggest thing is I want to watch the same play multiple times and not just multiple times back to back to back to back. I want to watch the whole game, go through one round, then come back, start from the beginning again, watch it again, and then start from the beginning and watch it again. Because by that time I'll have seen several things that I hadn't seen the first time around and it'll place things in a lot more context for me. You know, maybe that wrinkle that I thought was there wasn't actually a wrinkle. The the tackle just went the wrong way and I just saw it the wrong way. But now I know having watched a couple games of them that that's not really what they're trying to do. It's just that guy screwed up. Um, so I think the more time, the, the, the more time within your process that you spend, you know, this isn't rocket science, the more film you watch, the, the better you're going to understand your opponent. But just by the process of preparation that you go through, if you can force yourself to do that, um, you're going to be even better off. Uh, I know that was kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but uh, that that was that was my basic approach, and that's usually what I will do when I'm breaking down anybody. No, that's a perfect answer. That's that's exactly you know kind of what I was looking for. Um, <clears throat> so when you when you do get to go through there and put what each position each person's at, does that print off and and to where you can see that on a uh, you know, like on a football field or you just visualize it by the columns. Okay. That guy's at the X, that guy's at the H. Um, does that make any sense? Or you're just seeing, okay, that guy is moving around. Is that all that you can see once you start inputting that data of what number player is at what position? Are you asking kind of the, am I tagging the initial alignment or is that what you're asking? Right. Or? So I know you said you don't always tag their alignment, but you said you did go through and, and kind of tag where their alignment was. Um, do you just go through and then look through your columns and, and see, okay, this guy has moved around some or, or how do you use that? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in so I'll give you, I'll, I'll answer it two different ways. The first, first way I will say is if I'm just scouting a normal opponent, as I said, normally I probably wouldn't go into quite that much detail, right? right. Because I'm probably really f- sort of familiar with how that team likes to play. Um, you know, we have, everybody has their conference opponents. They play a whole lot and most coaches aren't going to change, make wholesale changes in the off season. So you're pretty comfortable with how things go. Although I will say, uh, the couple times we did decide to dive into that, we found a few things where we thought that we wouldn't. So maybe I should, maybe I should do it even more than I actually do. But the, the, for the coastal thing, basically I would have a column for literally X, Y, Z, uh, H, T, F, like all the different way, positions you could tag. And uh, then I would just put that number in there. So it probably ended up being about, six or seven different columns to account for the different personnel groups, like your second and third tight end. Um, But then I would just put the numbers in there because really other than, you know, when I first started this, other than watching it on TV, I really didn't have a lot of context into how they normally look. And I think context is the biggest thing that a lot of people miss when they're talking about um, when they're talking about breaking down an opponent, because, you know, sometimes, and I'm sure this happens to everybody. Sometimes, a, you know, a coach, uh, usually a younger coach will wa- watch a game or two and they'll be like, man, they always run that play in this situation. Well, but there's nine other games that you got to watch too. Right. So you don't know until you go all the way through why they called that. If that's even a big part of their offense, or maybe that's something that they just, uh, put in for that week, or maybe that's just a certain alignment they put in for that week. You guys know, as well as I do, 
Uh, you can put in your fall camp install, but you make adjustments when you go through the year. You you might turn out to be a totally different team by the time the playoffs come around than, than what you thought you had. And you have a totally different uh, style and, and a whole different package. I mean, that's happened several times since I've been in football, and I'm sure it's happened for a lot of other people because you really don't know. So, and you don't know if you've never broken a team down, if this was a team from the other side of the state that we would never play until we got to the state championship, for example, and I've never seen them before, I have no clue if this is their normal alignment or if this is their normal game plan. I've got to be molecular in my breakdown until I start to get a feel for things. And then I can maybe ease up a little bit once I get a feel for how they like to line guys up. I will say the one thing I did learn, uh, the biggest thing I did learn from that is that Coastal, um, I don't know this for a fact, but my sense is that Coastal's personnel groups uh, have very clearly defined alignments. And when I say alignments, I don't mean necessarily width in terms of yardage or anything, but just, you know, this guy is always the X. This guy is always the Z. This guy is always the slot. Uh, because when certain guys were on the field, depending on the combination, certain guys were almost certainly in the, in the same X, Z, Y spots. So that was interesting to see. You don't see that as much these days with all the, you know, the air raid guys, uh, running around, just going no huddle and guys kind of lining up everywhere. Uh, but that that was interesting because it was a a little bit more of an old school approach. I felt like to, uh, to offensive, uh, you know, personnel. Coach, you probably broke down, you know, as many games as about anyone in maybe the world. And uh, I, I really enjoy, you know, like a lot of your tweets, you know, one, one of the ones I've bookmarked and I go back and I find myself looking at it quite a bit was uh, I think it was just the, like this October. And you were talking about like the five things that you can do, you know, as a coordinator to kind of drive the, the defensive, you know, coordinator, you know, uh, uh, mad, you know, makes it tough. And I, and I, and I wrote them all down. I have them here. I look at my notes, but lean able to flip the running back, you know, using one word calls, having a, a formation of the boundary package, um, you know, having some predetermined routes and things for your QB. And then also, you know, using your big or special personnels and creating like different formations that you have to check. Like, I think that insight, you know, right there, it, you know, comes from one, you know, breaking down a lot of film and knowing that, man, when other teams do that, that makes things really difficult. And also you're gathering all kinds of great information from a defense, you know, when it comes to what is going to be their formation boundary check, you know, how do I, how do I mess with their tendencies, you know, and their checks with the, by flipping the running back. But I thought that was some pretty genuine stuff that, you know, a lot of guys almost kind of keep it quote secret because they don't want anyone to know that stuff. Yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it was, it was, I, I remember putting that stuff out I, and those are all just things that, so I've never been an offensive coordinator before. Um, so far be it for me to tell anybody how to do a job that I've never even had before, obviously, but I, I just know from watching enough football and being around it enough that there are certain things that for whatever reason, guys don't do a lot, a whole lot of, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who coaches in in another state and he was talking about, you know, we're, maybe we're thinking about putting in this to protect our RPOs. And we're thinking about putting in this because, you know, these alignments give it away. And I said, have you ever thought about just flipping the running back from side to side pre-snap for, for a second or two? I mean, not even putting in any play, just putting in a call because that by itself, I, I sat through a whole, you know, clinic on how a certain college defends RPOs. And so much of it is just based on running back alignment. Well, what happens if that running back flips sides before the snap, then what now everybody on defense has to change their responsibilities. Now I know there's defensive coaches who are smarter than me and they'll come back with a bunch of other stuff that I've never thought of. Uh, I'm not smart enough to coach on defense. Those guys have an answer for everything. But I will tell you, from the player's perspective, it, it's confusing as hell uh, if, you, if you're doing that uh, because they've been taught all week, if this guy is here, this means that. And then that guy flips to the other side, and now they're, you know, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, so that's just one example, and I, and I know some guys are probably rolling their eyes right now because they, they, they probably have all that covered, and that's great. But if you're, if you're a high school kid, you're not watching football film all day every day right? You, you're not thinking about this stuff constantly. So that's ultimately what it comes down to. I mean, you, you can draw up whatever you want on defense. And like I said, those guys are genuinely brilliant. I follow a lot of guys who always have a coverage answer and they are brilliant guys. But what happens when that kid is just, you know, it's in the middle of the game and, and you throw something at him he wasn't expecting. What happens then? I mean, that that's, so there's all kinds of little things like that, that you can throw at, um, at teams 
And just from a schematic standpoint as well, I just think there's so many little things like that, that the, a lot of defensive guys and and no, not everybody, but a lot of defensive guys go, well, they're only going to do that once. They're not going to come back to it. So we're not going to mess with it. We're not going to spend time going over it. Well, what if you keep going back to it? Then what? Right. So don't be afraid to be unconventional, but all those things that you read off, none of those things require you to change the base of what you do. They don't require you to put in a 50 new plays. They don't require you to spend a bunch of time teaching new reads. It's all really simple stuff that, you know, causes havoc on the other side of the ball. Well, like you said, coach, it's not, it's not uh, offensive coordinator trying to trick the defensive coordinator. It's offensive tr- coordinator trying to make the the defensive high school kids that are 15 to 18 years old think right before the ball snapped because that gives us uh, if our guys are thinking about what we're doing and and the defensive kids are thinking about what they're supposed to do then it gives us a slight advantage and and that's all we're looking for is against those kids not against like you said the coach that thinks about it all day every day and and has that answer it doesn't matter if he has the answer it's do all of those you know and maybe some of the smart kids do but does all 11 of those kids have the answer as the ball's being snapped yeah, absolutely. I mean, players win games, right? Like that's, that's what it comes down to. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Um, coaches help, uh, but a lot of times they get in the way uh, at times too, right? I'm sure we can all think of mistakes that we've made uh, that, that kind of put our kids at a disadvantage, maybe because, oh man, I wish I'd called this play or I wish I had gone over this more. It seems so obvious in retrospect. So we can screw up kids as, you know, as much as obviously I'm a coach and I, and I love coaching football, but players win games. And if you're, if you don't have players ready to go and if they don't believe and they, and they, and they're not quick enough on their feet, you know, bad things can happen. So that, that's really, that, that's what I believe. And I think that simplifies it a whole lot for me when I, when I'm looking at, you know, who's going to win games, what do we got to do? It all starts with players. If you're not taking away their best players, if you don't understand how they're using their best players and why they're doing things with their best players. And conversely, who are their worst players that to me, that simplifies it a whole lot when you're looking at another team. Coach, man, you know, being a a special teams guy, now I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit, just because again, to me, it's always the most neglected part of football. And then it's always the the first thing that everyone wants to complain about when they get beat. Right. So uh, a couple of things I'm always, I'm always interested to ask special team coordinators, you know, number one, how do you kind of go about, you know, the scouting process? And then number two for me is like the, the time management, knowing you're probably not going to get, quote, the focus of the time. I mean, may, maybe it's different at Ben Davis, but, you know, I think you're lucky if you have a coach that says, hey, it's a third, third of the game. We're going to give you the third of the time. Uh, I've still never seen a coach. They'll say that, but they've never put forth, you know, a third of the time. So I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of, you know, one, how you scout and then two, maybe how you kind of manage your time or, you know, that little amount of time you do have during the week or each day, you know, what are you kind of putting it towards or what do you, uh, what do I want to say um, making important? Well, I will say two things as a, as a, as a caveat to this. Number one, I just became the special teams coordinator in the off season. So I was not last year. <laughs> uh, so this is a lot of this is new to me. Um, now that being said, I was, I was involved a little bit with special teams over the last couple of years, so it's not brand new, but I just want to put that out there. Nothing I'm going to say is, you know, some brilliant idea that I came up with. Um, so basically the, the biggest thing to me, and I know I'm repeating myself, but the biggest thing to me is when you're scouting special teams, I want to know where the best players are and whoever that is, whether it's punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. I want to know uh, where their block guys are at on PAT field goal block, all that stuff. Um, and I want to, I, I will literally, because I'm not, the, I'm not that smart, especially when it comes to special teams. I, I, a lot of times I have literally tagged the numbers of each player on certain special teams phases. Now, sometimes that has helped us out a lot because, um, you know, you guys know I'm a bit, I'm a big proponent of just drawing stuff up that you see on film as much as possible, because it forces you to really watch everything really closely. Um, so when it comes to that stuff, it, it has helped us out in certain situations because we found out things, oh, wait, uh, these guys are always to the field. These guys are always to the boundary. Oh, wait, there's a reason why they're doing that. Uh, oh, wait, they're, they're always to their own sideline. You know, we've, we've, uh, definitely played teams like that before. So stuff like that really helps. Uh, I will say as far as practice time, 
you know, our head coach, Jason Simmons does, does a fantastic job. Uh, he, first of all, he loves special teams. Like he's been a special, special teams coordinator in the past. Um, so he definitely understands the importance of it. Um, but I am, I am so lucky to be here at Ben Davis because there are five, six, maybe seven guys on staff who have been a special teams coordinator at some point. Um, and that means I don't have to have all the answers. I can go to a lot of these, these other guys. If I have a question about something, Hey, what would you do here? What are your thoughts about this? Um, so that, that's a huge resource right there. Besides my head coach, we've had, we've have several other guys who have been the special teams coordinator here and have put a lot of work and time into it. And now they're coaching something else. Um, right now I, I am going to be strictly a special teams coordinator. I'm not going to coach another position. So, uh, that is uh, going to be good for me because I, I don't have to divide up my time. Now, as far as practice time goes, it uh, depends on the day, obviously, but usually we're going to get uh, between 20 to 30 minutes, uh, depending on, you know, whether it's obviously we do certain certain phases of the game on certain days. So we'll go through, you know, kickoff and kickoff return on one day and we'll get some uh, drill time in there as well. Uh, and then, you know, depending on what tap, uh, depending on how much time we have before practice th this past year, obviously it screwed up everybody's time, uh, depending if you even got to play, but we didn't have a lot of special teams. We didn't have a lot of meeting time in general before practice because a lot of our kids weren't even at school that day. So it was just, it was a battle getting them to the school every day mm -hmm. uh, for practice. Uh, so that was a, that was a huge thing in and of itself, but, uh, during a normal year, we would have a little bit of special teams and in, install practice time. Uh, sorry, install time before practice where we draw up, you know, here's, here's what you, here's what we got this week. Uh, and the one thing, and, and I'm going to put again, this caveat out there, we have not done this yet. So this is just something that we've been talking about, but the one thing that we have been talking about as far as creating ownership on special teams and really, and really uh, improving you know, just the information flow for lack of a better term on special teams from coach to player. What we're going to try to do is create a special teams captain for each phase of the game. So that is basically our coach on the field and he is responsible for making sure everybody's lined up. He understands what we're trying to do. Uh, he understands the wrinkles that we're going to run that week or the wrinkles that the opponent is, is probably going to try to throw at us that week. And he's responsible for making sure he's got, we got all 11 out there. Obviously we will too, but you guys know it just means more if it's coming from another player versus, you know, I can, I can stand on the sideline and yell all night long, but if your teammates yelling at you to get lined up and get your butt out there on the field, it's a totally different experience. So uh, we're going to try to create, you know, uh, we've got, Hey, you're, you're our special teams captain for PAT field goal. So here, here are the things you got to know for this week. Here's our fakes this week. Here's all hundred fakes. I'm just putting that, that out there for our opponents. Here's, here's all hundred fakes we have in our playbook this week. Um, but it's, it's that type of thing where we're going to give him two or three things for that week. That is, that is something that maybe we as coaches have noticed and we can communicate those wrinkles and coaching points to him. And from then, from then on, it's not just us saying that, Hey, you know, we got to watch this block team this week because they got a real, you know, fast guy coming off the edge. He can, he can mirror that. And hopefully if they see things that, that we don't see, they can communicate that to us. And so it's not just a, it's not just a thing where we're giving them extra responsibility and, and it's one more way for us to yell at them. It's also, Hey, you know, this is my team. Like I want to make sure that we do a good job and I'm spotting these things on the field. So I'm going to bring that to my special teams coordinator. Um, again, we haven't, we haven't really implemented that yet, but that's, that's the plan is to really just try that out as a, as a way to uh, create some more ownership and really shrink the group that you're dealing with on special teams. Because on Saturday mornings, when you bring those kids in for film, uh, I, I'm not sure that I want 50 kids in that special teams meeting room who aren't paying attention, right? Because you, yeah. uh, uh, I, I mean, a lot of football coaches get bored with special teams, let alone players, right? So if you got if you got a bunch of kids in there who aren't paying attention, I'd rather have those six or seven guys in there who have a personal vested interest in saying that their phase of the game does well and then it's a, it's a much smaller group. It goes back to teaching, right? The smaller class uh, size you have, the the more time you could spend with each student. So that's something we're going to try out. I will report back to you this time next year and, and let you know how well it went. Um, but it's something we're really excited about.
I I know that gets me fired up. I mean, that, that last part again, you know, putting it, putting it on the kids. I mean, I, I think we're always shocked and surprised at how well those kids handle it. I know this last year at, at Ankeny, I, I just work with, with the punt team, but, you know, having obviously the correct guys on the punt team, but then, you know, having three, four guys like you're describing here who would take that ownership and take it upon that. I mean, they're the ones yelling at the scout team. You know, they're the ones yelling at, at the backside for, Hey, you know, we, we got to give a little bit more effort on this, or we got to make sure we, we handle a twist or something like that. I mean, just knowing that you kind of had pinpointed them and say, Hey, you're the leaders on this. This is the first defensive play. We want to bury these guys. We didn't have to worry about punt ever again. So, I mean, I, I, I think you're going to have awesome things and I'm, I'm anxious to hear uh, how it goes, man. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. It's uh it's something that uh, we're really excited about. So we've got a few guys who are natural leaders uh, on the team and, and uh, who fortunately happen to be some of our best players too. So we're, we're going to get them involved and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. Coach, you talked about a few things that, that are easy to basically mess with the defensive coordinator when you're on offense. Um, have you thought about that for special teams? Are, are there a few things that are easy to do uh, for a special team to do, but that's going to take up a lot of time uh, for, for an opponent that's scouting your special teams? Um, you know, I, I would just say that one thing that I noticed from the past couple of years, you know, our head coach, uh, Jason Simmons just really, <laughs> he's about as, as aggressive on special teams as you can be as far as onside kicks, fake punts. I mean, you ask any coach in our conference that's had to go against us the past couple of years. Uh, you know, we ran a fake punt on fourth and 15 from our own 30 last year and got it. Um, so it, it's one of those things. I, I just think anytime you're aggressive on special teams, it just for, for, for some reason, it just sends the message that you, you spend a lot of time on special teams, which we do. And, it, and I don't, I, I'm not going to say with a hundred percent certainty, but I, I want to say that we haven't had anybody convert. Uh, we had one, we had one team convert a fake field goal against us. I want to take that back, but we haven't really had that many attempts in general over the past couple of years against us uh, because I just feel like if you're going into a week where, where teams do a lot and they're aggressive on special teams, you're like, well, do we really want to try to catch them off guard? Because we already know that they do a really good job on special teams and they spend a lot of time on it. So where is that edge? I don't know where you can do that. So I think if you're aggressive on special teams in general, I think it takes away some of the incentive for other teams to come at you with aggression, if that makes sense. No, it does. I, and I completely agree. And, and I think that it's just something that, you know, I've always thought, and maybe it's me being an offensive guy, but if you put it in and, and take the time to put it in over a, an off season uh, and your guys know it and feel comfortable with it, and you're willing to throw it out there early, early in the year, as opposed to saving it for the big game, um, then teams are going to have to take the 10, 15 minutes to work on, you know, whatever it is that you do. Uh, but you've already got those few things in. And so it doesn't take you much time throughout the year. Um, it might front load, take some time, but it doesn't take time throughout the year. However, it is taking time away from them, of them working defense or them working offense or, or whatever that may be, because they've got to work, you know, 15 minutes as opposed to five minutes against your punt team. Yeah, and I don't think it's a big secret, uh, the stuff that we do. I wouldn't say that we do anything that unconventional. Uh, but within that structure, you know, we'll we'll try an onside kick, we'll fake a punt, uh, we'll fake a field goal, that type, that type of stuff um by itself. Um, you know, you gotta stand there and be like, don't don't take your eyes off the ball, see the ball kick, that type of thing. And that in and of itself, I think, like you said, the more time you can take away from the opposing coaching staff going over that sort of thing. That's, that's less time they're working on run fits. That's less time they're working on set recognition, all, all that stuff. They're, they're not getting better at what they do. They're focusing on what you do. I remember, you know, being at Tulsa and playing Boise and, and Boise literally had like 18 different punts. I mean, I'm not kidding. And again, you know, they're not doing a ton of stuff. It was, you know, normal, normal man sort stuff and normal rugby, but just to be able to line up to it. And that's what everyone's like, well, just line up and safe. Well, yeah, you still have to be gap sound. You know, they're going to fake something out of it. I mean, just the alignments that our guys had to do. It's like, yeah, Hey, we're not going to worry much about rushing it if we do force them to punt, but we have to make sure we got guys in the right gaps and make sure we're ready for any type of fake. And I just remember that whole week was just miserable for, you know, us on special teams because 
just having to to figure out, hey, here's where you guys quote line up. Oh, no question. And and even if you are gap sound, um, especially you know, on ter- in terms of punt return, you still got to go get that football and make sure that you know it doesn't roll twenty yards in the wrong direction. Make sure you catch the, catch the ball. Make sure you have the whole field covered. I know uh, last year we had a situation. We had a team backed up, and I think it was around their minus fifteen. And we didn't field the football and we ended up starting out on offense at our own 30 at our own 28, something like that, because we let the ball roll forever, which obviously should never happen. Um, So you, you gotta, you gotta take care of all of it. Right. So we, you might spend so much time uh, playing safe and and maybe not even trying to go after the punter because you don't want to get a a dumb penalty or something, but then you got to go get, you got to, you got to go catch the football and make sure that you don't lose a ton of hidden yardage that way. Well, coach, you know, rolling up on an hour now, but, but here at the back of the, of the podcast, uh, you know, you talked about, um, you know, you've got this book out on coastal Carolina. Uh, you've talked about how, you know, you'll end up putting a few things in, um, uh, you know, that that'll update. So it'll go an automatic update to guys that buy it. So I'm assuming that means it's a, it's a virtual copy book, basically, uh, talk us through that. And then also, Hey, if we're going to go buy the book, what's it look like uh, you guess like chapter wise i mean do you break it down by game i, I know it's you kind of breaking them down but but what does that breakdown look like as as far as the book i buy the book and and what does that look like what am i getting when i'm going through there flipping through there uh what is that process sure so uh technically it's it's separated into two different books right so the first one is just a simple basic overview it's 101 plays from the coastal carolina offense so i basically go through break down some of their favorite plays, some of some of the wrinkles, talk about all that stuff. Um, you know, that that's that's your basic uh, book. Then uh, then on top of that, we have that's it's technically separate. You can get both of them in a bundle. Um, the second part of that is the advanced scouting report. Now, that is I, I tried to create much more of a quote unquote playbook uh, style of, of read there. So I, I took all their top concepts from the season uh, broken down by success, uh, rates, you know, in terms of completion percentage, rush yardage, top players, all that stuff. And then I try to draw up those plays against the different looks that they saw, uh, all season long. So you've got a collection of each, uh, scheme category. And then also, you know, I, I took some of their top formations and literally broke it down as it at, like we do opponent formations every every Sunday morning for our meeting. So we've got formation hit chart, got the pass game hit chart, so you can see literally the completions and incompletions exactly with each spot on the field uh, where they were throwing the football game to game. And that's where, by the way, part of this part of this was you know a big part of this was wanting to study Coastal Carolina. But I got I I always get so many questions about what exactly do you do to break down teams and and what's your process like like we were talking about earlier and not that not that we do anything that special but i felt like this was also a way to kind of uh give a real life example of what that would look like Uh, and so as i said you know i wanted to approach it as if i was breaking down a whole opponent i actually included the huddle data uh in 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 spreadsheet format that i that i used to break everything down that's game by game and also it's uh i took all the first team snaps and put it into one spreadsheet as well uh, there's a ton of down and distance data reports. Uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of things in there. Basically, it, everything that you would want to have uh, if you were scouting a team. And then I also put the I also put the uh, the scouting report in there that I did for the bowl game as well. Kind of a more basic thing, uh, but I also put that in there just because I, I know not everybody got a chance to see that. So. Um, and as I said, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be putting out a couple of updates. It is um, a, anybody who orders it now will get those updates. But uh, and then once I feel like I've updated it enough here in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably put out a physical copy at some at some point. But, uh, you know, it's just it's been a lot of fun to do. I've learned a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I'm still going through the film now and finding little things here and there. And that's why I wanted to uh, a lot of times when you, I've done several of these things and, and I always go back and go, man, you know, I wish I'd seen that, or I wish I'd <laughs> put that in there. Uh, and so that's what I just wanted to do. I, I didn't want to declare it finalized and, and miss out on all this other stuff. So that's why I'm doing that is, uh, sometimes when you let things sit in your mind for a few days 
after you've been working on it really hard, things just pop up. So I, I just wanted to add those and make sure people got the most bang for their buck and, and got everything that I was getting out of it. Well, that's awesome. And, and, and again, everybody, you know, listen to this podcast, we'll have a link for you guys. It'll be at the beginning of this podcast that you guys can go um, and, and use our link and, and go through and get the book. And I know that we're excited to, to go through it. I've been looking, you know, kind of at your website. I think you have a big uh, book of Belichick as well that, that I'm excited to, to look at as well. And, and as well as this coastal Carolina one. And so, and you've got multiple books obviously on your website. So um, we're excited about it. Again, anyone that wants to listen, uh, anyone that wants to go read the book, we'll have a link for you guys at the beginning of this podcast uh, that you guys could have gone to. Uh, so go back and check that out. Uh, and it'll also be in the show notes. So uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for spending the time. Um, it, it was a blast. Hour went by really, really quick uh, and excited to, to read and, and get to learn even more. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.